Help support Fruit Bowl's efforts to collect, archive, and share personal stories about queer coming of age by making a small monthly donation through Fruit Bowl's Patreon membership. Patrons get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes updates, and occasional bonus content. Learn more at fruitbowlpodcast.com. I can't remember a time that I wasn't masturbating. <laughs> I've known forever. <laughs> masturbating may be one of my first memories. <laughs> I, of course, had no idea what it what it was or what it represented or anything like that. Like, I just knew it was a good feeling. And some of my earliest <laughs> memories are being spanked for masturbating, like, just in public, like, in full public. This is Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. I'm Eric, I'm 43, and I graduated high school in 1995. This interview was recorded in February of 2020 in Los Angeles. I grew up in Tacoma, Washington. We moved to Seattle when I was 18. In the 90s, queer really did encompass lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, like everything. We were all just, we all were just gay or queer or whatever. Um, and we all felt like family. It was a pretty accepting environment. And in Tacoma in the 90s, there was, at least where I was, there was like a there was a decent little network of people that, you know, you felt safe, you felt okay. It was starting to be kind of cool and counterculture to be gay. So there were a lot of fakers and like, <laughs> which is so cute to me. But <laughs> Mom and dad are still married, who are very much in love. Um, I grew up with, a, with an older sister, who's actually a half-sister from my mother's previous marriage. My dad had three daughters from a previous marriage as well. But they weren't, they didn't grow up in the house with me. Like they were much older and there was a bigger age gap and a little bit less of an intimate relationship with them. But me and my sister are tight. Sister's gay too. Uh, my sister came out before I did and they weren't as supportive <laughs> at that time. Um, they got their shit together a little bit before I came out. But yeah, they were always really supportive of me and continue to be. And I, yeah, I, I don't know where the hell I would be if it weren't for my family. I, I landed in the softest place possible, really. I would get up at like five in the morning before my parents were awake and watch a movie and make breakfast <laughs> before I go to school. Once we had a VCR, I, I learned to like set the VCR timer, so I would tape shit. I learned about sex on cable TV, like late night cable TV showtime, watching European movies from the 70s. <laughs> I didn't have to be super covert because I don't think that my parents really like, they weren't really paying much attention to what I was doing with the VCR, what I was watching. Like I didn't grow up in a in a restrictive family of like, don't look at that and don't don't watch that. Like it was, it was a little more like we, we can talk about this if we need to. 
Joy of Flying is the first one. I was so obsessed with this movie and I wish I could find it still. It was so extravagant and it's just like the weirdest, like why are people fucking on planes and what what is, what is going on with this? I loved it so much and I, I haven't seen it since I was like, what, five, six? All I know is that there were titties and asses and people were fucking, there was, someone had a fear of flying. I remember that, like some, either a dude or a lady had a fear of flying. And of course, sex gets them over that fear. It's a, it's a European sex movie. Like, it's not that, not that complicated. <laughs> My dad tried to have the sex talk with me and it, he couldn't stop laughing. Uh, it was so embarrassing for both of us and it was so funny. And I don't think he ever even like told me anything useful. <laughs> we had sex ed in school that was in the 80s. It was like somewhat helpful sometimes. <laughs> but a lot of it was just media and your friends, like people around you. And I had like, my friends had older siblings. And so we would learn random shit from them. And, you know, a lot of misinformation. <laughs> That to me is funny now, but but there was a time when it was really disturbing, like <laughs> really, really weird. I remember a friend of mine when Magic Johnson contracted HIV, a friend of mine was like, I can't believe that he let someone fuck him in the butt. It's not necessarily how that is <laughs> how that's done. Like <laughs> it's a whole lot of ways that this can happen. And he was he he was one of those kids that like his mom wouldn't sign the permission slip for uh, sex ed in school and shit because they were Catholics or whatever. Ugh. What a nightmare. It was like the anti-vaxxers of the 80s were people who wouldn't let their kids take sex ed. We didn't really talk a lot about sex in the family. So yeah, I mean, it was really just friends and movies probably. Books occasionally. <laughs> I definitely have multiple, like there's, there's at least three that, that I can, that I consider kind of a, kind of firsts. Yeah. One was with a woman and one, two were with dudes, but I'm, I'm trying to think of it in terms of like, when was the first time that me and another person like had an, a, a sexual experience together that was, that was mutually like, we are, we are doing this. <laughs> And that one's kind of boring. It's just, it was the back of my, it was the back of one of my parents' cars on the waterfront in Tacoma. And this dude I was seeing, he was like seven years older than me. I was 16. Yeah. <laughs> we fogged up the back, the backseat of a car and uh, ended up getting caught by the police who luckily it was this, it was a uh, woman cop who was either embarrassed or <laughs> was like sympathetic to our cause and was just like hey guys you got to you got to move it along <laughs> but uh luckily it was after we came so job well done i mean we finished <laughs> it was weird it was very weird it was a it was a foreign land of of you know, having having sex with someone who is obviously like way more comfortable with it and way more like into it. And I never felt 
coerced or forced. It wasn't anything shady. It was just like weird. Like, what I am I? <laughs> I'm just kind of doing whatever you tell me to do. Like, you got you lead the way. And luckily, it was cool. Like, it it was very pleasant. I can't say that it was great, but <laughs> no one's. I don't think many people's first time is great. <laughs> Uh, the first time I fell in love, I was 16, and it was with my best friend, who I was convinced was gay and in the closet. And we we were kind of friends that spent like every every minute that we couldn't that we weren't like in school or forced to be at home. We would spend together doing just random shit, the stuff you do when you're 16. <laughs> I was so in love with him, and. We had like this super close relationship. We ended up messing around, like literally messing around. I don't even know if anyone came or anything. Like there was, there was kissing, there was touching, and that was about it. And we were friends for like two more days, and then complete shutout. Like just the door was closed. That was a bit too far for him because I was already out. Like I was out and. You know, I was a new gay. I was a new out gay with supportive parents. So I was a loud motherfucker, man. I was just, <laughs> I would talk about it everywhere, talk about whatever. Felt very safe. And that was like the casualty was him. <laughs> and I was devastated for like a year. I was just miserable and hung up on him. But again, like I was super lucky because I had other friends, I had friends, I had friends that I could talk to about it. Like it wasn't this secret. I wasn't, I didn't have to be in the closet about it. Thank God. Ugh. That would have been horrible. Did you tell your parents about it? No. I think I put on a really good act for them though, like that entire time. What made you finally get over it? My lesbian friend, Amber, who was my hero and my complete rock. She was my savior in high school. I would not have come out, I don't think, if it weren't for her. She she really, like, she was such a badass. She's so cool. She basically, <laughs> I think in a Red Robin, said, you got to snap out of this. You got to get over this. <laughs> like, this isn't doing you any good. And I was like, ah, oh, you're fucking right. <laughs> Ugh, that was that was a rough one, but formative. So he came out, like, six years later. So your instincts were... Oh, yeah. No, I'm always right. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that you had that friend. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Do you still keep in touch with her? I don't. We've there there've been a couple of uh Facebook messages in the re like last 10 years, but most of my life uh my life from high school doesn't exist anymore. Like none of that ever enters my life now. It's yeah, just sorry. gone. I didn't find it to be the best of the best of times. <laughs> Even in, in like a comfortable position, I didn't find it to be the best of times. I always hated it. Honestly, just like school. I've 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 never been <laughs> never been one for school. <laughs> what was the environment like at your school in terms of your your queer identity? Like did you get bullied or teased or anything? No. I'm huge and like I've I've always had size on my on my side. I never really got bullied. If if I did, it was it was some real shady shit from some girls that I that I probably like still am internalizing. 
they were better at it. Yeah. Boys are dumb. Girls can be vicious. Mm -hmm. Especially when you want to hang out with them. <laughs> Pretty sure my family's not gonna listen to this. And this is what, five years ago? <laughs> uh, so my partner now, I brought him to my family reunion right after we started dating. <laughs> Cause I move like that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very fast with shit. Cause I, tr I trust my impressions of people. Brought him to our family reunion <laughs> and we went for a walk up this hill and there was a there was a big tree that we were like able to climb up in and it was it was cute and uh i got to blow him in the tree and it was fucking rad it was great and it was uh we took a picture of we took a selfie of each other like with the tree in the background that was our facebook profile photo for a long time and it was like yeah the blowjob tree dig it how could you do that? Just like it was no, it was like the most perfect of circumstances, like a perfectly large branch that one could lay back in and another one that could act as a saddle, if you will. It's great. It's awesome. I love that. <laughs> Everybody should have tree sex. Mm -hmm. I'm a damn good kisser. Uh, that and that I think unlocks the doors to everything. I have no, I have no qualms about touting my kissing abilities. <laughs> what is it about your, your strategy or your skill? That I pay, I pay attention. I pay fucking attention to what the other person is doing and how they're reacting. To the kiss. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I it's an exchange. It's a mutual exchange. Yeah. It's a conversation. Yeah. And we've all had to deal with the bad kisser, the, the like, or the or the over active or the stabby yeah those are all good names for those <laughs> that's what they are but yeah like even in those situations i've i've found myself being able to like kind of reel them in a little bit <laughs> but i rarely revisit yeah it's too much work yeah, it's, like, no sorry. it's bad news bad news mm -hmm. Their bad kisses are probably going to be pretty bad in bed. Yeah. I feel like I've had a really easy go of things. So like the the complexities of gay relationships versus heteronormativity have been kind of a, like they were at a time some a hurdle i had to get over like really having monogamy drilled into my head really having like ownership over another another person drilled into my head like that's what a relationship was for a long time in my brain it was like oh well, they're <laughs> they're yours like even our poetry says you're mine and <laughs> coming out of that was really great uh was a really like being able to breathe easy and being able to communicate like knowing even just learning that you can communicate to your partner like i don't like this or i want more than this or i want you know whatever 
It's amazing. You know, all the movies in the 70s and 80s lied because they just said that you had to, men had to cheat and women had to take it. Whatever the fuck. Yeah. And I carried that shit into gay relationship into my gay relationships, <laughs> which are just relationships, we call them in gay land. But yeah, getting out of heteronormativity, getting out of uh, colonial thinking and, and <laughs> just being alive and being letting love be love is so nice. It feels so good. When do you think you learned that lesson? Yeah, it's probably like... I mean, I feel like I'm still kind of learning it, like because I always just when I'm with someone, I I do want to consume them. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing of just being in the presence of of another and being in the presence of of love and accepting it as it is, as opposed to what you think it's supposed to be. But I think like ten years, probably like ten years ago, was when I started really like exploring that part of me like those bad parts of me that I do consider bad of like wanting to own a person's time body and and intentions it's garbage such bullshit came out in high school so hooking up was like who who's game like <laughs> there was an internet i was like it was pre wide internet so yeah hooking up was a non-existent thing and then when i was in my 20s i got to be kind of slutty for a minute in bars and that was always fun and exciting you know primal hunt instincts and shit i love that it's so fun and now it's just apps and it's boring. <laughs> I find it very boring. But uh, I don't know. Sex is fun. Hooking up is fun. It's just the, the getting there has changed. It's just not fun. Like that part's not fun. Like I, I don't find anything enjoyable about hitting a button on an app to, to let someone know that you find them attractive and then you wait. Like it was, it was interesting at first and now it's just like, Ugh, give me a break. This is so boring. <laughs> are, are there any opportunities you've had in recent times that kind of remind you about what it was like before them? Does that ever emerge? I'm a fan of gay bars. Like I love going to gay bars and I'm, I'm a musician. So I go on tour sometimes and I just like last year I went on a tour, a month long tour of the U S and if I can, I'm going to a gay bar in any city that I'm in, no matter what. And just like when me and Joe travel, Joe's my partner, whenever we travel, we, we find out where are the gay bars, we're going to the gay bars, we're going to figure out what's up. And like, we were just in Mexico City, we went to this place called Tom's Leather Bar that was so cute. And it was very old school, like there was a dark room and blah, 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 which I've never been a fan of. But I also am like... Oh, cute. Like, <laughs> old school gay bar. This is cute. 
but even the, yeah, I don't know. This is also, this may just be my age again, but I was just like, I'm, there's nothing exciting here for me. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not really interested in, in this kind of a hookup. But when on tour, like I've, I've, like I think Minneapolis, I went to a gay bar that was amazing and and like met cute guys who were flirty and it was it was fun. It was also fun being like, well, I'm leaving tomorrow. I have, I don't have to worry about like anything. This is not a permanent connection in the least. I like the meeting and the talking, and it's you know like sussing it out. Like hmm. now it's like. Are you a top or bottom? What are we going to do? Here's the menu. Which is great for consent, but uh, really boring. Really, really boring. Uh, if I were to give myself advice, I would say don't worry so much. The people around you are good and you're going to be okay. To a younger person in my situation that isn't me who doesn't have like the family support and everything i would just say like don't force yourself into a community that you don't belong to just because they share one detail um you're so much more than your sexuality you're so much more than your attraction to a particular gender or body type or anything like that there's so much more and walling yourself off into, into a little click is just going to stunt your growth. That's my main thing that I would say. <laughs> and it is how you find who you are and, and how you find a community. Even if, even if the first one that you dive into isn't yours necessarily, that is how you learn to express yourself and learn to express these different parts of yourself. It's, I, I just know from my experience, like just immersing myself in the first gay people that I could find was not necessarily like, these aren't my people. And I knew it from the, that moment. It's like, this, these really aren't my people, but it's better than getting beat up or it's, you know, and you know, you might get a blowjob every once in a while. <laughs> when did you think that you really found your, the right crew? When I was 25, I think I realized like I was in, in with the right people. Like my, the partner at the time who I'm still great friends with, we liked rock music. We liked rap. We liked, we liked music that wasn't just some deified pop star. Um, we didn't give a shit about musicals. We didn't give a shit about, uh, kind of old school, you know, that old school gay shit that I now find very charming. Like I find it very charming, but when you're, when you're in your twenties and that's it, like you're only allowed to go to Liza Minnelli parties or this Madonna obsession that doesn't make any sense. All of it, like and there's Prince and you're, you're over, all over Madonna. Really? <laughs> I don't get it. That all, but that all that now I find very charming. I find it very cute. But uh, when you when that's not who you are, and it's the only thing being offered to you, it's super disheartening, and it makes you feel more other than included. And so around twenty five, I definitely like found other other gay dudes who were into the shit that I was into, 
and we're into making things, which is another big delineator is like creatives versus, you know, I don't know, fans, consumers. Fruitbowl interviews are edited for clarity and brevity and are approved by each interviewee before being released. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com where you can learn more about this episode, browse the episode archive, and watch original videos. Fruitbowl collects histories from all different backgrounds and experiences. Cisgender women, trans and genderqueer individuals, Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color. It's only by collecting diverse stories that we can begin to see what unites us. Interested in sharing your story? Find out more about the interview process, including a full list of questions and news about future production. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com for links and contact information. And now a special message from the creator and producer of Fruit Bowl, Dave Quantic. Greetings, Fruit Bowl listeners. I just wanted to pop in for a second and give a special thank you to this episode's interviewee, Eric, who not only shared his stories with us, but he also provided all of the amazing music cues. Normally, I use music from a subscription service, which allows me to select tracks from an archive of thousands of cues that are cleared for use in different media like podcasts and online video. And I won't lie, a lot of it is really bland, boring music, and I have to spend at least three hours per episode plowing through cues from nearly every genre in the search for the right sound. So it was such a huge pleasure not only to showcase Eric's amazing work, but also to use his music to finally create an original soundscape that is evocative, unpredictable, and provides the exact mood and tone that I try to achieve in every Fruit Bowl episode. Check out Eric's episode page at fruitbowlpodcast.com for a list of track titles used in this episode and a link to his Bandcamp music profile where you can purchase his original music and film scores. And while I'm here, I'd like to thank James, Harrison, and Salvador for becoming our most recent additions to our Patreon community. This season, I'm offering a new perk to our patrons, exclusive video clips featuring each episode's interviewee answering a question from the episode. It's a fun way to get to know each person better, an exclusive peek behind the scenes that won't be available to the general public. Find links to our Patreon at fruitbowlpodcast.com slash donate. This has been a production of Cubed Media, LLC. All rights reserved. I'm Syra B. Thanks for listening. <laughs>